Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Uh, good morning. So good to be here. So great to be at Crosspoint again. And uh, Rob and I, like you said, we've been great friends for, I think, over 10 years. Uh, first met when we were traveling to Turkey together for General Assembly. So yeah, just got to know each other since then and have been in an accountability group together. Um, I just want to bring you greetings on behalf of your 120 sister congregations from around Alberta, one in Yellowknife, and also from Brent Trask, who's the district superintendent. We're part of a larger movement called the Alliance Canada, and we have this vision prayer that we pray. I'm going to get you to pray it at the end of the service when we, when we ordain uh, Micah. The, the vision prayer is, uh, oh God, with all our hearts, we long for you. Come transform us to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused people, multiplying disciples everywhere. You're part of that larger movement, and I think it's just so important, so significant to be part of this larger movement when we ordain Micah. Uh, really, what we're, one of the things that we're doing is, is calling him into uh, this prayer, this longing of our hearts to be part of this larger uh, com- uh, community of people, this movement of people who want to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, mission-focused, multiplying disciples everywhere. And I know that's the heartbeat of, of uh, Crosspoint. Uh, you guys have a very intentional disciple-making pathway that you lean into. That, that I think, uh, it may not be expressed this way, but it really ultimately uh, expresses the heartbeat, the longing of our vision prayer. And so thank you for partnering with us. Uh, we talk about our district having an active partnership with leaders in local churches. Uh, you are part of that. We actively partner with you. And we see what you're doing as an expression of the gospel in this part of the city. And we're so grateful for what you're doing. So I should be giving you the round of applause, although that's going to seem really weird for me to stand up here and clap for you. And it was weird for you to do it for me too, by the way, (laughs) for that long. So uh, before we go into ordination, uh, I I want us to reflect on Jesus' teaching on on kingdom greatness. As, As we think about this ordination service, as we think about what it means to be a kingdom leader, uh, what, what does it mean to be a great kingdom leader? What does it mean to be a great kingdom church? What does it mean to be a kingdom-minded person who's pursuing greatness as a follower of Jesus? And I, I think it's a question that every disciple, every follower of Jesus should wrestle with and probably does wrestle with. What, is, what does it mean for my life to have kingdom impact? What does it mean for my life to have force and meaning and significance in the kingdom? What does it mean for my life to have power and intensity, greatness, the way that Jesus would define it? And I think we have to wrestle with it because we live in a culture that has a very different narrative or set of narratives. There are probably multiple narratives around greatness. And it's really easy, I think, to live into the narrative that our culture is telling us that we should live into. You know, you're great if you achieve a lot, if you accomplish a lot. You're great if you live out your dreams. You're great if you have um, a lot of influence. You're great if you look young and stay healthy. You're you're great if you're wealthy. All of these cultural narratives that have, you know, some sort of attraction for us, depending on who we are, maybe depending on the life stage we're in or where we've come from, there's a, a certain narrative that we typically lean into when we think of greatness. And they seem appealing and, att- and, and tempting. 
But if you hang around with Jesus long enough, and if you listen to his teaching, you'll realize that, that they really don't ring true to Jesus. And, and if you hang around with people long enough who don't follow Jesus, you'll recognize that there's, there's still a prevailing emptiness and, and a grasping for more. I, I was struck years ago when I was watching an interview with Barbara Walters and Ted Turner. That, that's a long time ago. Ted Turner's an old guy. And she, she was interviewing him. He, he made his wealth off of uh, cable news. That's how, that's how old he is. And uh, he, he's like, he, he's like, his net worth is like $2.3 billion. He's the second largest private landowner in the world. And Barbara Walters uh, looked him in the eye and said, so what's it like to be a success? And he said, you know, the strange thing about success is that it's an illusion you get to that place that you've defined as success, and when you get there, you realize there's nothing there. And, and there was this sense of sadness and emptiness, because here's this guy, I mean, he's just, the, the, the picture of success or greatness, what we would define as greatness in the world, and yet he says, there's nothing there. It's, it's really empty. And so I think we have to consider Jesus' narrative on greatness because he takes the cultural understanding, the cultural narratives, and he turns the narrative on its head. And he says, if you want to become great, you actually have to do something that's counterintuitive. You actually have to serve. And so that's the big idea that we want to, we want to look at today. We, we want to look at this idea of kingdom greatness and what it means to really serve as a person in the kingdom. And as we keep that in mind today, we recognize that it, it is servanthood that we're talking about. Greatness isn't about numbers. Greatness isn't about charisma. Greatness isn't about the influence we have on social media. But it's about servanthood. And, and that means that, that every person in this room, regardless of your age or your education or your charisma or your influence, can actually aspire to kingdom greatness. And so we keep that idea in mind today. A bit of background on this text before we get into it. The disciples are jostling for position throughout Mark. That's, that's clear. On the way to Jerusalem. They're, they're envisioning a Messiah that, that's going to conquer as he arrives in Jerusalem. Mark 9, uh, the writer tells us that while Jesus was traveling with his disciples, he's teaching them about his death. And then when they get to Capernaum, Mark tells us that Jesus sat his disciples down and he asked them, what were you talking about on the road back there? I don't think Jesus was asking that question because he didn't know the answer. He knew exactly what they were talking about, right? He, he just wanted them to, to voice it. He, he, wanted, he wanted to out them, so to speak. He wants them to hear, he wants them to hear themselves say it. No, yeah, right. And they kept quiet, it says, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. They knew it wasn't the right thing to talk about. Sitting down, Jesus calls the twelve to him, and he says, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And so they have this talk on greatness in Mark chapter 9, and then we get to the text that we're going to read today in Mark chapter 10. You'd think they would have learned. So this is what the word of the Lord says. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, 
Let one of us sit at your right and the other on your left in glory. We don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they've been prepared, for whom they've been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together, and I would add, called them together again, and said, you know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is God's word for us today. So the bit, the, we're going to look at three kind of things as we talk about greatness today. First of all, the barrier to greatness, the, then the, the, the secret to greatness, and then the pathway to kingdom greatness. So the barrier to greatness. M- Mark is telling this story to set us up to get to this climactic point in the gospel, which is the cross. Jesus has actually taught about his death three times. It's clear. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. Mark chapter 8, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer and die. Mark chapter 9, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer and die. Mark chapter 10, I'm going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. What is Jesus going to do? He's going to suffer and die. Kind of clear, right? But what part, like, don't these disciples see and understand? That there's something that's kind of blinding them, that's obscuring their thinking. Jesus is going to die, but, but the disciples absurdly are preoccupied with their place in this whole plan. Look at the two brothers, James and John. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do? Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. Do whatever we ask. And if you think it was just James and John, the other disciples have become indignant. Well, you got some kind of side deal going here with Jesus? You you should include us in this conversation. When you start talking about places of prominence in the kingdom, you, you need to include the rest of us because I think we have a shot at this, right? Don't be talking without us. Do whatever we ask. They're hungry. They're grasping for prominence, for power, for position, for recognition, for proximity to Jesus. We, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. They're looking for, for ease, for wealth, for, for security. Basically, anything that money could buy them was theirs. And Jesus says, you guys don't know what you're asking for. Can you, can, can, can you drink the cup that I drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism that, I, that I'm going to be baptized with? The commentators tell us that, that the cup is talking about suffering. It's talking about the wrath that he would experience and bear. And, and uh, baptism is, is, is death. So essentially what he's saying is, can you guys suffer and die with me? And they respond, yeah, we can do it. No problem. What, what we can draw from this story, I think, is that what blinds them to the narrative that Jesus is proposing to them or teaching them, not just proposing, he's actually telling them this is what's going to happen, is, is their own blind ambition. 
The barrier to true greatness is the ambition in life to have it my way, to be at the center of the story, to be the star of the show, to have other people serve my needs, to have a place of prominence, to have a place of power. I mean, all of us know, I think we know, don't we, that, that greatness is servanthood, right? There, there are leadership books that are written on servant leadership, and that great leaders are really servants. They actually give their lives for the greater cause of an organization. By the way, the concept of servant leadership didn't enter into the narrative until Jesus dropped it into the narrative of our culture. And then it began to take off from there. It's attributed to Jesus. And if you've been to church for any amount of time, you could probably spout it off. We could probably, you know, name a number of different verses that talk about servanthood. You can go to Philippians chapter 2, places like that. Like, yeah, we need to humble ourselves and we need to serve. But, but if we're really, really honest, most of us would rather be served than serve. Most of us would rather be in first place than in second place or last place. Uh, we, we wake up every day thinking about ourselves. We, we wake up every day thinking about how we could promote ourselves. We, we obsess about our, our needs and obsess about gaining power rather than giving it away. And, and that hunger for recognition and for power and for, for prestige and for wealth, whatever defines cultural, or whatever defines greatness for us is what blinds us to true kingdom greatness. And I think we all wrestle with it. Jesus said, I've come that they have, may have life and have it to the full. Jesus promises abundance of life, right? We, we, we hunger for it. We long for it. But, but that abundance includes, includes servanthood. That, that abundance includes Jesus saying in Luke, if anyone would be my disciple, let him de deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. Because if you want to Save your life, you'll lose it. But if you want to find life, you want to gain life, this is what you, this is what you got to do. We, we don't really like the concept of servanthood. We like the idea of greatness, but we don't love the concept of servanthood. And I think it's this, this blind ambition inside of us that really robs us of true kingdom greatness. So what's the secret? The disciples want to turn Jesus' entry into Jerusalem into some kind of glory march. He's going to suffer and die. He told us that. But, but they're, they're thinking he's going to reign as king. They, they, they've heard what Jesus has said about suffering and dying. and they're, 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 they're placing Jesus into their story rather than placing themselves into the story of Jesus. They, they have a, an understanding of what greatness is going to look like. And, and, and they're saying, Jesus, you're, you're going to, we're going to conscript you and you're, you're going to lead us on this path toward greatness. They want Jesus to help them accomplish their dreams. They're not necessarily buying into the plan of Jesus. They hear this language about suffering and death and cup and baptism. And maybe what they heard is like, it's going to be a hard fought battle. But in the end, we're going to come out on top. Don't worry, we'll take a beating, we'll win. The cross is like a little bit of a rough patch. But for Jesus, the cross was not. 
the cross was not a rough patch on the way to resurrection. The cross is the centerpiece of his life. The, the cross is where he displays the glory of God to the world. The cross is where he reveals the heart of the Father to us. The disciples asked him, can we sit on your right and your left when you come in glory? And Jesus says, you have no idea what you're asking for. And he says this because glory for him was about what would happen at the cross. He is revealing the glory of God to us. For Jesus, greatness is not about having power over people, but using your power for people. Greatness is not about having power over someone. It's not about being the center of the story that makes somebody great, but power with people, among people, for the good of other people, being with others and sharing power with them for their good and for their benefit. This is what Jesus does. And so when we think about leadership in the church, we think about leadership as a follower of Jesus. It's not about having power over. It's about being present with, using the power that you've been given with others, among others, for the sake of others. That's what makes a person great, even being willing to suffer for the sake of others. The greatness of God is seen in Jesus as a God who come, becomes like us, taking on the form of a servant who suffers and dies for us. And Jesus reveals God's glory to us by dying on the cross. We're supposed to look at the cross and say, God would do that for me? God would do that for me? This is the God that, that loves me? God would take on flesh and become like me? Take on weakness and become like me? Take on my sin and die for me? No one in the world does that. But our God does. And Jesus reveals that glory to us. The successful people in our cultural narratives always come out on top. They look good. They're admired by others. They get places of recognition. What we have in Jesus is someone who's willing to go to the very bottom, to become a servant, to go to the most shameful place, to die for us, mocked, spit on for his people. And that's the revelation of God's greatness to us. That's the revelation of the greatness of God to us. God is a servant. This is the very nature of who God is, and it runs counter to every story that you'll ever hear in our culture. Every success story that's ever been dreamed of, every cultural symbol of what success looks like, God is a servant, and that's precisely what sets him apart and makes him great. He uses his power for us. But notice that what blinds us and robs us of greatness is selfish ambition, not ambition itself. Jesus says to his disciples, you know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, underscore this, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Jesus doesn't chastise the disciples for wanting to become great. He says, you want to become great? That's good. He says, if you want to become great, you have to become a servant. If you want to become great, you have to become a servant. In, es in essence, Jesus is saying, I want you to be hungry for kingdom greatness, but I want you to be hungry for the right things. I want you to be hungry for servanthood. I, I want you to excel in serving other people. I want you to be hungry to grow in generosity. I want you to be hungry to give your time away to help someone else. I want you to be hungry to forgive someone who's hurt you. 
I, I want you to be hungry to bless other people. I want you to be hungry to let other people go first. I want you to be hungry for the right things. Be ambitious for greatness, but be ambitious for the right things. So the path to true greatness. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus points to himself in this section. In essence, he's saying, you, you want to know what kingdom greatness looks like? Look at me. Look at me. He points to himself. The secret to freedom from this slavery to blind ambition is to keep looking at Jesus. He invites us to look at him. He invites us to fix the gaze of our souls firmly on him, the one who came, gave up his place in heaven, took on our flesh and blood, became like us, became a servant, took our sin on himself. So he says, look at me, focus your life on me. And when we focus on ourselves, what we want, we, we get emptiness and we don't really get the greatness that our souls really long for. We might lean into a cultural narrative, but we're not really becoming great kingdom people. But Jesus says, focus your life on me. Focus your life on me. Become preoccupied with me. Allow me to transform your life. We're supposed to be so fixated on Jesus, so fascinated with Jesus, so enamored by him, so undone with his sacrifice, so humbled by what he's done for us in his act of sacrificial love and mercy that we turn away from ourselves and our sin in an act called repentance and surrender our lives to him and under the power, in the power of his Holy Spirit, become transformed to become like him, a servant. When we look at Jesus, we are reminded that everything we have with God is because of what Jesus did for us. Forgiveness, all because of Jesus. A new life, all because of Jesus. A new identity, all Jesus. A new power to live by, all because of Jesus. Gifts to serve with, all because of Jesus. A mission to follow, Jesus. A church family, Jesus. Bearing fruit, Jesus. The hope of heaven, Jesus. Everything, all because Jesus suffered went to the cross for us, died for us, took our sin on himself, on, on himself, all for us. <laughs> We're supposed to be so humbled and so undone by Jesus that we would want to become transformed, to become like him. Past, future, world without end, it's all grace to us because of the generous sacrifice of Jesus. And as we fix our gaze on Jesus and follow him in true surrender, will have the desire and the power of God's spirit to become transformed into his likeness. See, the, the, the key to kingdom greatness isn't three easy steps. It, it's not like we can take on 40 days to greatness and follow these 40 days and suddenly we'll become great by kingdom standards. We, we, we can't chart our progress on a graph. It's this constant desire to turn away from our own self, to turn away from our own sin, and to fix the gaze of our souls on Jesus. And it's doing it by faith every day when the, when the culture, when the world screams a different narrative to us. When social media blasts out every day that success is about being beautiful and rich and powerful and young, 
It's consistently fixing the gaze of our souls on the one who spurned all of that and gave his life as a ransom for us. When we turn away from self and we place our full trust in him, we do it every day. We, we, we do it when we turn to the scriptures and re, we read the scripture and we meditate on the scripture. We, we do it every day when, when, when we pray and we seek him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I surrender my life to you. We, we do it every day when, when we... Or, or every week when we gather together and worship together, what we're doing is fixing the gaze of our souls on Jesus, turning away from ourselves, turning away from those cultural narratives, and fixing the gaze of our souls on Jesus to become transformed into his likeness. We, we, we do it when we gather together in small groups, and we pray for one another and encourage one another and read the scripture together and go on mission together. We're doing it. As we do that, we become transformed into the likeness of Christ. Every day we have the opportunity to reject the cultural narrative and instead fix our gaze on Jesus so that we become like him. And in becoming like him, it gives our lives force and impact and meaning and significance and ultimately kingdom greatness. Every other narrative, every other narrative leads to emptiness. The story of Jesus, the life of Jesus in us, leads us to kingdom greatness. Scottish pastor Robert Murray McSheen said, for every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. <laughs> That'll be my challenge to you this week. Take 10 looks at Christ every day. Focus your, the eyes of your heart on Jesus every day. And seek him and his kingdom. Let's pray. God, thank you. You have made it clear to us <laughs> what it means to be great in your kingdom. And yet, in and of ourselves, we can't do it. We don't, we don't have the mental models. We, we don't have the, the power. We need Jesus. We, we, we need his teaching. We, we need his power. And, and so again, today we turn away from all that we perhaps have pursued and thought would be great. And we turn toward you, Jesus. So thank you. Thank you for making it clear. Thank you for your death and your resurrection and the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected 
with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.